If you would, please turn to the book of, uh, book of Philippians. Before I go into the passage tonight, I want to give you a little background on what this book was made, written for and then what we're going to be looking at tonight. So as you see in this passage tonight, I've actually turned to the book of Philippians. This, this book or letter was written by Paul to the church at Philippi. And the reasons Paul is writing this church, there's a few of them. One of the main themes of this book was to live a Christian life and how to do that. We'll be looking at an example of how to do that tonight. We also see in this letter that Paul was thanking the church at Philippi for sending Epaphroditus to encourage and help Paul in his journeys. But Paul also took this opportunity to address some of the issues that that church was having, such as rivalry, personal ambition. But he was also warning some of them, as we will see later in this passage tonight. Uh, Philippians 3.2 says one of the things that he was warning them about. He says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. Beware of people that will come in and destroy the church. And as we'll see in our passage tonight, Paul was warning about the follow, following the ways of the world and following the practices of the world. But he's encouraging them to press toward the mark and follow the Lord in their lives. So if you would, let's look at verses 12 through 21 of the chapter tonight. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 21, it says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count on myself to app apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so, as ye have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For a conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Let's pray. Dearly Father, I pray today, be with me as I share what you've led on my heart this week, and give me the words you would have me to say tonight. Be with everyone here tonight, including myself, to have open hearts and open ears to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. So first we see in this book that Paul is telling them to press on, or press on, brothers and sisters in Christ, in verses 12 through 14. Let's read that again. It says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. See, as we see Paul in these verses, he's encouraging the believers at Philippi to press on toward the mark 
for the prize of the high calling. But Paul even stated that he was still pressing on. He wasn't perfect. By all means, he wasn't perfect. See, Paul in verse 12 says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of charge Jesus. So he says in that first part, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after still. See, to these believers at Philippi, Paul was an excellent role model. He traveled the world, he spread the gospel to everyone, and he was basically a role model for them. But Paul told them he was still striving for the Lord, and he's encouraging the church at Philippi to do the same thing. See, Paul references back to some of his goals that were stated in verse 10 of this chapter, which says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. See, Paul was pressing on to know the Lord more and more daily. And he was encouraging these people at Philippi to do the same thing. And he wanted to know the power that the Lord holds. And he already had seen it in his life, and he wanted to share that with them also. He was encouraging these believers to do the same thing. Let me just give you a quick example. I think we all know who Reggie Jackson is, if you know of anything about baseball. He was a player known as Mr. October. He got his nickname because he was known to shine when the team played in the postseason. Reggie would come up to the bat, and the ball was going to go over the fence some way, shape, or form. But he once said in an interview that he lived for the postseason because that is when he would shine the most. But Reggie Jackson, in order to get to the postseason, had to get to the full regular season first. His secret to shining in the regular season was to keep his eye on the end. See, God is looking for some Mr. and Mrs. Octobers also. People with their eyes on eternity who faithfully play the regular season because they're looking forward to the postseason glory. See, Paul is telling them in this passage, press on, brothers and sisters in Christ. The world may hate us. The world may ridicule us. We may even face persecution. But press on, brothers and sisters. As that analogy said, we are pressing on for the end prize of being with the Lord for eternity. Amen. Paul is also saying, don't let your past define your future for the Lord. They knew Paul's past. Paul knew his past. Paul wasn't the best person before he allowed the Lord to completely change him. And he didn't allow that past to control him either. He allowed the Lord to lead him no matter what it cost him. Another example, if you spend all your time today thinking about your failures or successes yesterday, it will ruin your tomorrow. When today looks too long at yesterday, we are borrowing from tomorrow's time. Yesterday is like a rearview mirror. When you go somewhere in the car, you use a rearview mirror. It shows what's behind you. You need a rearview mirror in your car, but only to glance at. You move forward by focusing on the windshield in front of you and the road ahead. If you live and drive just focusing on the rearview mirror, you will hurt somebody and you'll hurt yourself. But in front of the rearview mirror is a much bigger piece of glass called the windshield. The windshield shows where you're going and it's a lot bigger than where you've been. Don't let yesterday mess up today for the Lord. Because it will ruin tomorrow. See, while we're driving forward in our Christian life, every now and then take a look in your rearview mirror. Take a look and see what you've changed for. 
Take a look and see how the Lord has changed your life for the better. See what's behind you so that you don't make a wrong turn while you're moving forward for the Lord. But don't stare too long because it will end in disaster. See, Paul was encouraging them and it's still this encouragement applies today. Press on, brothers and sisters in Christ. No matter your past mistakes, the Lord wants to use you. He was able to use Paul. The Lord desires a relationship with each and every single individual. And that's what Paul was trying to convey to them. See, as the analogy said, the past is in your rearview mirror. It's in the past. Focus on the future. Focus ahead. The Lord can and will use anyone who willingly gives up their own self and their own desires for Him. Let me give you just a few examples from Scripture that we see of people don't, not letting their past define them. One of the first people that came to mind when I thought about this was Moses. He was used to free the nation of Israel from captivity. He allowed the Lord to direct him, and the Lord did mighty things through him. But Moses had his own faults too. He had a past. He committed murder of an Egyptian. He had a lot of anger issues. As we see, he struck the rock instead of speaking to it. Because he got so mad at Israel complaining. But the Lord still used him to free Israel and lead them for 40 years in the wilderness. Another example is David. We nickname him a man after God's own heart. This man was used by the Lord to kill Goliath. He led the nation of Israel as one of their greatest kings. In fact, when we went to Israel, I know my dad has said this before, but one of the only statues of kings in Israel that's in the city is of David. He is revered as one of their greatest kings ever. But he had his own faults too. He slept with another man's woman and eventually had that man killed in battle. But the Lord still used him for many great things. We pick on Peter a lot. A man known for speaking his mind and inserting his foot quite often. He tried to kill a servant of the high priest defending Jesus. He also denied that he knew the Lord three times and went to cursing about it. But 40 days after the Lord rose again, he was used by the Lord and allowed the Lord to use him. And 3,000 souls were saved and brought to the Lord. Peter didn't let his past mistakes to define his future for the Lord. Just like we can too. Paul, here, we see he was a murderer. He persecuted people. But we, see, we revere him as one of the greatest missionaries in the New Testament. He wrote over half of the books that we see in the New Testament. Let this be an encouragement to each and every one of us. No matter your position in life, no matter what mistakes you may have made in the past, no matter what, the Lord wants to have a relationship with each and every one of you. And the Lord wants to use you for great things. Verse 14, he says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Let's each and every one of us do that for the Lord. See, second, we see Paul was encouraging them to walk in the Lord in verses 15 through 17. Let's read that. It says, Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, 
and mark them which walk, so as ye have for us an example. See, first we see in this passage that Paul is encouraging the believers to press toward the mark and follow the Lord, and strive to live for Christ every day. And now Paul is explaining a way to do that. But what does Paul mean in verse 15 when he says, as many as be perfect? Nobody's perfect. So what does he exactly mean? See, that word perfect can be translated as mature. I had to look it up when I was studying it because I was like, why is Paul telling people to be perfect? He knows of all people that nobody's perfect. But when he means perfect, he means being mature or to strive for maturity. Not actually perfect as only one was perfect. But Paul is stressing to the Philippian believers to let go of their past when he says, be thus minded. Focus on your future. He is stressing the importance of letting go of the past and striving to follow the Lord and walk in Him daily. Look at verse 16. He says, Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. In this verse, he is pointing out that they have already made good progress. He includes himself that he's made so much progress in the Lord, but there's still so much more to go. And he wants to encourage them, and he says, allow the Lord to drive them further. Look at verse 17. He says, brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as ye have for us in the sample. When I was studying this verse, I kind of got confused, because Paul's saying, strive to follow for the Lord, strive to follow the Lord. But then he says, be followers together of me. Kind of stumped me when I was studying, but when I realized what Paul was meaning by that. What does Paul mean when he says, be followers together of me? He's basically encouraging them to follow along with him. He says, follow me or alongside me as I strive to follow the Lord each and every day. As Paul is following the Lord, he's encouraging the believers to follow along with him in his journey. To know the Lord more and more every day. The Lord is asking the same from us today. Follow him as he leads. As I said, the Lord wants to have a relationship with everyone. If you think you aren't enough for the Lord to use, just look at the men He called His own disciples. Just to name a few, He called a traitor to His own countrymen, Matthew, a tax collector for the Romans. He called two brothers nicknamed the Sons of Thunder, James and John, who had big mouths and big attitudes. He called a man named Peter, who had a very big mouth, and a lot of issues. He called a man that was a doubter, that didn't believe anything, known as Thomas. He even called a man that would stab him in the back and betray him, and called him his own disciple, which is Judas Iscariot. See, Jesus didn't go to the religious elite. He didn't go to the rich in society. He didn't go to the big people. He went to the ones he knew had potential for him. The ones that had potential to become great for him. He wants the same for each and every one of us also. He wants a relationship like he had with his disciples with us also. Now I understand we can't walk and talk with him like they did back then. But each and every day. I want to pick on Brother Richard for a second. He says he wakes up every single day and strives to follow the Lord each and every day. And I, I, that's great. It encourages everyone in RU to do the same thing. That, let that be an example. 
Strive each and every day to follow the Lord. No matter what we have done in our past, no matter what we have what we've stumbled on, we can become great for the Lord. See, Paul is telling the church at Philippi, follow me as I strive to follow the Lord. He wasn't making himself to stand on a pedestal. He wasn't making himself to sound perfect to them because he told them, I'm still striving to follow him. Just follow me as I follow the Lord. He was encouraging the believers to pursue after the Lord and his calling for each and every one of their lives. And lastly, we see that Paul was warning them to watch as they walk. In verses 18 through 21. It says, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like to his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. See, Paul was warning of falling into the trap of this world in verses 18 and 19. See, Paul was deeply concerned about the state of some of the believers that were at the church of Philippi. They had fallen into the traps in the world, and as we see, Paul was so concerned that he was weeping. Look at verse 19. It says, who's, uh, verse 18, I'm sorry. It says, For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping. He was so concerned that he was weeping over the church of Philippi. They had fallen into the traps of the world, and as we see, he was so concerned for them. He didn't like seeing them fall into sin. He didn't like seeing anyone be taken hold of by the world. Paul loved the church at Philippi, and it made him hurt seeing that certain believers were falling into these things. Paul was also warning of the danger of becoming an enemy of the cross, and describes what they exactly are. He says, Paul, Paul says, the enemy of the cross, they end in destruction. Their life ends in disaster. Their God is their belly or their appetite, their wants, their desires. They glory in their shame. They glory in the sin that they're sinning in. And their minds are only set on earthly things. Paul is warning certain members of the church at Philippi of falling into this way. And he's addressing the issues that some may have been having. But Paul goes on to say that our lifestyle, our conversation is in heaven. Our home is in heaven. See, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, your home is in this world. We are just pilgrims here. As I've heard. Or another way I've heard it, we are ambassadors for Christ in this world. Let me give an example. Us as America, we have ambassadors around the world. Ambassadors are in a foreign land that is not their own. They go away temporarily to a foreign land to spend time away from home. They have to learn the language, learn the customs. But they're never to belong there. They're just there to live and carry out orders at their mission. But in order to carry it out, they've got to live there. They've got to talk the language. They've got to function in the same way that the people are. But they're never to forget that that's not where they're belonging. See, the Bible says that if we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, that our citizenship, our home is in heaven. But what's a good ambassador if we don't represent 
our home. See, the problem that a lot of people have today is that we've got a generation of ambassadors that have taken liking to the foreign country they're in. They have fallen in love with the foreign country that they're in. They're not showing the Lord in their lives on a day-to-day -day basis. We are ambassadors for the Lord in this world. And as we strive to live for Him each and every day, it will show outwardly. Our lives begin to change better for Him. In verses 20 and 21, He says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. Look at verse 21. It says, as we follow Him, the Lord, He will change us. It's like the potter in the clay. He molds us into what He wants us to be for Him. And as we strive to follow Him, day after day, we'll be fashioned to what He wants us to be. Just as a potter molds clay into what He wants it to look like, whatever He wants it to be, the Lord can do the same thing to us. No matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, no matter what you have done, what mistakes you have made, no matter what status you are in life, the Lord can and will use you if you allow Him to. In ending tonight, if I could have the song leaders come forward. The main thing Paul is stressing in this passage tonight is he's emphasizing that the believer is to strive for the Lord each and every day. No matter what. He's encouraging them to follow the Lord and their, His plan for their lives. But Paul was also concerned about some of the members falling into traps of the world. He was warning about the dangers in falling into the snares of the world. Or falling in love with the world as I said. I just want to leave you with a few questions as we close tonight. Just a few questions to think on as we leave. Are we striving to follow the Lord in this day and every day? Are we following the Lord on a daily basis? Or are we falling into the traps of this world? Are we falling in love with this world? And lastly, are we satisfied with our own work for the Lord? Or could we do better?